Welcome to Digital Garden State, a podcast by the New Jersey Health Information Management Systems Society. Welcome to the New Jersey Health Information Management Systems Society podcast series, where we discuss emerging trends in healthcare technology and their impact on our industry. New Jersey HIMSS is a consortium of healthcare professionals, providers, and vendors who are committed to promoting constant improvement in the use of information technology within the healthcare industry. I'm your host, Mike Fortino, current New Jersey HIMSS board member and account executive with Galaxy Solutions. Today's podcast episode starts our customer story series. Our chapter is supported by some amazing companies, and without their sponsorship, we could not deliver on our mission of healthcare technology advocacy and learning. Today, we're going to be speaking with two great guests from Zebra Technologies and MedStar Health. MedStar provides comprehensive healthcare services across Maryland, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. And here, representing those organizations, is Ricky Jennings, Chief Nursing Informatics Officer at Zebra Technologies, and Christina Russell, Assistant Vice President, Telecommunication Services for MedStar Health. Ricky, Christina, thanks for joining. And could you both tell our audience a little bit about yourselves and your organizations? Ricky, would you go first, please? Sure, Mike. Thanks for the opportunity to join you here today. I'm Ricky Jennings. I'm a registered nurse by background, and as you mentioned, I serve as the Chief Nursing Informatics Officer for Zebra's North America Healthcare Team. I, alongside our entire organization, work with our customers and our partners in the healthcare space as they adopt new technologies. At Zebra, we're focused on connecting people and uh, data across organizations, particularly focused on the, crit- on the front lines and critical assets of business. Great, great. Christina. Hi, all. Um, Christina Russell. Um, as Mike mentioned, I'm the Assistant Vice President for Telecommunications at MedStar Health. Um, I've been working in healthcare IT for almost 20 years. Um, I've been at MedStar for 13, um, working on various teams um, with our electronic medical record, as well as some of our infrastructure teams. Uh, MedStar is a, organization, a healthcare system um, in the, Mike mentioned, the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area. We have about 10 hospitals and about 150 outpatient locations um, that we service as part of our IT team. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a large uh, organization, especially, you know, 10 hospitals is, is quite large. And then you add into the, those 150 ambulatory locations. And, you know, that can be daunting to do uh, any type of technology project. Speaking of which, uh, you know, we, we did have a quick conversation a, a few weeks ago about this this great customer story. Um, Christina, could you give us a little bit of background on this? Because, you know, uh, I'm, I'm really not that familiar with, you know, the inner workings of a lot of the hospital organizations. But um, I think, you know, what we're going to talk about is a, a nurse call system integration effort. Um, if you can just kind of give us a little overview on on you know, the the background and we can dive in from there? Sure, absolutely. Um, So as I mentioned, we have 10 hospitals at MedStar Health. Um, We are um, growth by acquisition, as many healthcare systems are. Um, We are at a point um, where we have had some aging technology 
um, both on those devices that do barcode med administration as well as our wireless phones. So we are um, at a point where we need to start replacing those technologies. Um, now, uh, the nurses carry two devices around, uh, one for voice um, and one for scanning capabilities. So we um, took to a point of deciding we wanted to have what we call a converged clinical device. Um, and we're now moving um, to a single device that uh, has a number of function functionalities, um, one of those being barcode med administration. Um, we also are implementing clinical communication. So that really includes voice, secure messaging, um, alerting, so nurse call alerting, as you mentioned. Um, and then we're looking at some additional applications, but those are our core set of applications. So we um, did a, a little road show with our nursing teams um, about mm -hmm. four years ago. Um, and we took a few devices out to the nursing teams um, and let them touch and feel and look at what they were and, and give us some input. Um, and we landed on the Zebra TC series of devices. Um, so gotcha. we're in the process of, of implementing those. We have um, implemented those at three hospitals um, and mm -hmm. seven more to go. Um, but we're using two, two models of those devices, uh, one that has the barcode, barcode scanner um, and then one that does not. So folks that don't need to do barcode scanning, um, there's a, a slimline device, if you will, that we're utilizing, um, but gives them the same touch and feel from an application standpoint. Gotcha. Wow. Can you, there's a lot there, um, you know, could you kind of back up a little bit towards, you know, when you mentioned the roadshow, you know, and, and getting to a roadshow, you know, that means that you went about a due diligence, you know, you did some evaluations and, and, you know, wound up selecting Zebra technologies, right? So can you kind of talk a little bit about that process? And, you know, when did, when did Zebra technologies really come into focus or, uh, you know, yeah. Um, so we did some validation on the IT side first, right? So we wanted to make sure the devices that we were taking on the roadshow um, actually worked with our applications, um, that they passed the you know IT test first. Um, yep. And we had narrowed it down to two devices uh, Zebra, or two manufacturers, Zebra being one of those. Um, so we did our, you know, like I said, IT testing um, and then took that to the road to the roadshow. Um, and, and Zebra, um, you know, has been part of that process, I think, from the point of us doing roadshows, right? So we reached out and said, can we get a couple of demo devices so that we can take these out? Mm -hmm. um, we actually got them set up um, where the nurses actually did a survey on the device. So they went to a, a website and did their survey of, of the two oh, different great. devices. So we actually, you know, made them use them, um, yeah. even if just to submit a survey um, that we could collect data on. So they were definitely part of the process um, from from IT testing um, throughout. Gotcha. Ricky, could, could you kind of talk a little bit about that whole process, you know, up front? I know that, you know, a lot of companies, organizations, they say, gee, I want to do a proof of concept. You know, I, I really want to make sure that once I do my due diligence, as Christina mentioned, right, did that IT test, you know, what, what's it like for you, you know, to kind of put something like that, that together to uh, kind of make sure that things are, aligning. You know, I think what Christina represented and how they made uh, election of their technology solutions is really not uncommon from most organizations these days. And as a clinician myself, I see it as really positive. Um, increasingly, the partnership between IT and clinical end users has become um, 
tighter and more and more so clinicians are really getting to be at the helm of that decision making. Um, and I think really what better as you're looking at uh, and going to your question of having a select uh, a successful proof of concept, you need to have the buy-in from the end users who do this work day in and mm -hmm. day out and understand where their pain points are today and where their needs are. Um, so uh, the approach that MedStar took in of putting the clinical voice at the front of selection and design um, is absolutely the route to success. And um, from a very positive standpoint, one uh, the industry is seeing more often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Well, what about, you know, Christina, from, you know, the whole approach, right? I, I guess there's, you know, there's got to be some science to that, right? If you can kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what that was like. You know, when you, you know, you're how thoughtful you were around, you know, that IT test, right, the selection and kind of how did you move, move the project forward from there? Yeah, so after we did our IT validation, um, obviously made sure they were certified devices from um, our electronic medical record vendor, which is Cerner. Um, mm -hmm. So we, you know, made sure that that was happening Um I would say from an IT standpoint, we were comfortable with, with either device um, that we put out um, in front of the nurses, um, but we were really looking, as as Ricky said, for their feedback um, on how they were going to utilize the device. Um, I would say as, as we started down the implementation strategy, so once we selected a device, I think mm -hmm. the importance of nursing and, and clinical involvement um, becomes more and more important. Um, and you really have to have those teams on board. Um, I will say that even through COVID, um, we had our team's involvement, um, which was great. So we have a really good nursing informatics program here um, and a really good provider informatics program. So they were definitely um, involved not only during device selection, but then uh, involved during kind of application build out and design and, and getting the devices prepped for testing. Once you had that first uh, successful set of tests and, you know, you moved towards the first implement, real implementation, um, you know, can, can you talk, talk a little bit about that and, and what it was like to, you know, a little bit, of, I guess, about the teams that were involved, you know, in order to make all that happen? Yeah, so it was a number of teams. Um, it takes a village, right, uh, to implement an, an IT solution. So, uh, like I said, we had nursing informatics, we had provider informatics, we had the actual clinical teams that are on the floor um, seeing patients. Um, so we had nurse managers and, and uh, champions, if you will, from our nursing teams. Um, we have um, Cerner involved um, as our as our EHR vendor. Um, we have our own application teams here at MedStar Health, so they were involved um, the entire way. And then um, the teams that I work for is the infrastructure team. And, you know, there were infrastructure team members available looking at device configuration settings, looking at network settings, mm -hmm. wireless settings. So there were a number of teams involved and, you know, we're still making tweaks and adjustments um, to both mm -hmm. the application and the network and the wireless and the devices. So those teams continue to be involved um, as we're looking to future rollouts and how can we really kind of optimize um, but it certainly takes involvement from all those teams and it takes them all working together um, really closely to get to a successful implementation. And 
you know, I, I won't lie and say everything's perfect here at MedStar Health. We're certainly, like I said, still, t- still tweaking things um, along yeah, the way. It's never perfect anywhere. Right. So, <laughs> so, um, so those teams are all still actively involved, even at the sites um, that we did implement so far. Well, well, that's a great sign. If all the teams are still actively participating, I mean, a great sign that, yes, you know, this is working. Now let's, you know, optimize, right? right. Let's move Let's move it further. Uh, that just speaks to... Uh, a great, a great solution, right? It, if you, if you don't mind, uh, it, you, you know, there's a strategy, I guess I mentioned before this, I like to say there's science behind things, but you know, strategy around your first implementation, you know, was, was there any criteria that you had in the back of your mind, you know, when you wanted to go to that first hospital? Yeah. So there were a lot of criteria that went into, you know, kind of picking who goes first, um, some of it had to do with, you know, what's going on at that particular hospital. So what other projects do they have going mm-hmm. on? Um, there was also, you know, a, a discussion of, you know, what's the current state of their current devices? Um, and mm-hmm. are they rapidly, you know, breaking um, and dying? And do we need to replace them? So that was, you know, some of the criteria that went into it. Um, criteria just around which hospital is a little more flexible when it comes to IT. Um, so I think we all would probably agree that some uh, facilities are a little more IT savvy than others. Mm-hmm. So, and we know that sure. at Mister Health, which ones, um, you know, are, are more flexible when it comes to that or, you know, what their size is. It's obviously sometimes easier to go to a smaller hospital than a, you know, a thousand bed hospital. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of criteria that went into it. We have changed the order many times um, and we're really? still changing the order for the, for the seven okay. that we have to go. So we, um, go back and forth. COVID um, played a big part um, in what we were doing. So we did do some implementations um, throughout the, the pandemic. So that also played into, you know, which hospitals are busy with COVID and, and which are not. Um, mm-hmm, so sure. lo- lots of criteria <laughs> um, that goes into kind of, you know, which hospital goes first um, and which goes last. And uh, sometimes you just have to pull the Band-Aid off and pick the... Yep pick the yep. biggest and um, loudest one and, and go with it. Yeah. You, you know, it, it, it sounds like, you know, very complex, right? You know, just, just the infrastructure side alone, you know, as you mentioned before with the tweaking, the different settings, you know, that that's, that's daunting. And then on top of that, you add, you know, the different applications that you have to deal with. Ricky, I guess, you know, Zebra Technologies has got a device or a set of devices that really, or have offer great flexibility. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I I think Christina made great mention of the science and it taking a village. Um, and I think the complexity of the team who that Christina talked about being involved is representative of the complexities of the workflows that these technologies support. Um, there really is no standalone technology in any of the critical workflows, mm-hmm. particularly in patient care delivery. And um, when you have, uh, not only from our perspective, we're always looking at it from a, a the just what's in our portfolio, but our portfolio is a part of an ecosystem that supports multiple partners and, and multiple different use cases. So as mm-hmm. um, we are working with our customers and they have these um, dense teams with rigorous strategies and workflows that they're looking to address. Um, You really do need to get to that workflow by workflow 
situation where you're mapping through steps and users and then pairing the technologies, be that hardware, software, uh, a, mm -hmm. a multitude of vendor ecosystems to be able to make sure that from end to end, you can look at a um, process or we talk about workflows in healthcare mm -hmm. uh, in a situation where an end user doesn't face disruption, that each step occurs exactly as it's anticipated every single time, because that's where the elements of patient safety become most critical. And it's why it's highly reliant on um, uh, large teams with multiple vantage points to be successful. That's, you know, so true how it is, it is a, um, you know, the level of engagement you know, you always think that upfront, you know, level of engagement is high. Everyone's excited. You have that first implementation. You know, it does take uh, a lot of, um, I guess, I, I don't know what the word is, but, you know, a lot of determination to carry that through, right? Because you've got multiple hospitals to go, you know, other locations to consider as well. Um, but, you know, it, and it leads me to kind of think about governance, right? So there's governance when you set it up and then there's governance when you want to continue on. You know, can you either of you talk a little bit about that and, you know, how that how that plays out or is playing out right now? Yeah, I mean, we've we've set up a mobile device governance committee um, as a result of, of implementing these devices, because you get to a point where you're working on a you know, an Android operating system and, you know, there's a gazillion apps out there. Um, and the minute you put a, a smart device in somebody's hands, um, they, they start thinking about all the other things it can do. So like solitaire, right, exactly. So we've, we've locked that down. They can't play solitaire. Um, <laughs> but we have, you know, implemented a few things that are what I'll say easy um, when, so, you know, the nursing team asked for, they wanted a timer app um, so they can set a timer on when they need to go back and, you know, check on things. So we, you know, implemented something as simple as a timer app. Um, for them to be able to have that functionality so they weren't having to use their personal cell phones or their or their Apple Watch. Um, so we put that all in one device. But there's certainly, um, you get to a point where if you don't have governance around those devices, then um, it comes with a little bit of a free-for-all and you get too many applications on. And then the, mm -hmm. the, the purpose of the device diminishes. Um, so we, we have a pretty tight governance structure where we take requests um, for new applications. Um, it goes through a round of, of interviewing, if you will, um, from a, a team of people that represent kind of device and application stuff. Um, and then if it passes that uh, team, it'll go up to our, our IT leadership team for review. Um, but it certainly um, needs governance, not only from an app, but as much as I want to change how loud the devices. Um, so we've had that conversation from a governance perspective, wow. like some people, you know, would like to have the device, you know, turn the whole way down and only vibrate, um, which in really? some instances just isn't um, practical because the purpose is that you hear the alerts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so there's, you know, a lot of uh, conversation that goes into it and you really have to hear the clinical teams out on, you know, these uh, what we may think of as simple items um, that really aren't simple when it comes to a clinical setting. You know, I, I, I imagine that, you know, as as you are doing your rollout, you're making new friends, right? Everyone really likes a successful rollout, wants to be part of that. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, is there, a, you know, the demand, I guess? 
Yeah, I mean, when we first started this project, we were really thinking it was um, our nursing teams. Um, we then, when we got into the project, we realized because uh, our scope of the project was to replace um, the old barcode scanners and the Wi-Fi phones. Um, mm -hmm. So we get into the project and we realize there's more ancillary areas using Wi-Fi phones like transport, environmental services and respiratory therapy um, and phlebotomy. So we've we've hit a lot of those areas um, and they are now users of the TC devices um, that previously weren't, you know, considered clinical users, but now have turned in to clinical users because they're communicating, you know, via secure messaging apps and they have the directory for the hospital, you know, loaded. And so it really has given, you know, not only our nursing and clinical teams more functionality, but we've expanded that out into some of the ancillary areas across the hospital. That's great. That's just, that's a, that's, that's a telltale sign of a successful implementation, right? Yeah, really is. Ricky, can you talk a little bit about, you know, through through this whole conversation, to me, it sounds like, you know, there's, you know, what Zebra had to offer technically, you know, the architecture, how flexible it is. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, sure. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to hit on some of the points Christina was talking about, sure. about kind oh, of expanding. Um, and I, because I think that folds right into it when you were talking about there's the planning piece and then there's the governor, governance piece. Um, once a device or a solution set or any type of technology actually goes into production, I mean, that's where the value starts to really be recognized. Mm -hmm. um, not just in the day-to-day -day workings, but those of us who are technologists or, or um, individuals who have supported rollouts, you're looking for data. You want to understand how it's used. So then mm -hmm. you can continue to build out those next steps and those lessons learned. And um, Mike, I, I chuckled a bit when you talked about gaining new friends, because, you know, really the goal is, is doing this right. Um, right. Good news and sometimes bad news, but really good news. And especially with technology that's easing burden, good news tends to spread like wildfire. Um, yep. And so that good plan you set out as to what, um, what area, what departments, what hospitals will go first, you've got to kind of hold to um, because of that enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. um, and with that same thing, as you kind of asked the question on technology and infrastructure, we have to have partners who can be able to support that um, mm -hmm. ebb and flow as the technology goes into production. I had a, a great mentor and someone I worked with with process improvement years ago and used to the saying, there's work as it's designed versus work as it's actually done. Um, doesn't matter how many um, process improvements or in, in this case, in the work we do every day, technology rollouts you do, there is always a learning and the infrastructure you've designed oftentimes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, should meet your uh, strategically designed use cases, but it also needs to adapt to those areas of we hadn't quite thought of it or these expanded roles that Christina um had mentioned in her examples. And so um, we do the same as we're looking to uh, design our technologies. We're thinking about the people who will use them, the workload mm -hmm. in which they'll be used, whether those are on the first priority or the understanding that once uh, your first step in technology adoption or advancement, whichever platform you're coming from, the solution set's able to uh, support those needs, not just now, but really in the longer term. And in today's environment where investments are becoming increasingly um, 
highly scrutinized for looking yep. for return on investment, which is critical. It should have always been that way. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we're looking and holding ourselves to that same level of accountability of having technologies that are going to serve your use cases today and be able to support the use cases in your distant future, understanding that technology is going to adapt uh, quickly right, over that right. time. So that's really where we focus on is uh, the mm -hmm. longevity of technology adoption in the multiple applications and multiple use cases um, in our build today, um, yep. as well as supporting future use cases as well. Well, it, it, Ricky, it sounds to me as if you've actually, you know, you've achieved that that whole concept that that goal of providing technology that establishes the opportunity to increase return on investment, right? To continue to be flexible in the architecture and that will help them move it forward, you know, to all the older new friends within the organization. But absolutely, it, it's a great story. It really is. Um, we're, we're just about up on time and, you know, we're always sensitive to our listeners. They generally have about 25 to 30 minutes to listen to our podcast episodes. So I want to be sensitive to that. But um, this has been a, a great discussion. Uh, but before we close, um, Ricky, could you just let us know? I just want to make sure. Could you let us know the website for Zebra Technologies? Mike, that's a great question. And it is www.zebra.com uh, here. And I appreciate the opportunity to, to discuss these. And a huge thank you and, and partnership with Christina a absolutely. for sharing their story. I, I think it's been great. Thank you very much. And Christina, could you share MedStar's website? Because, you know, when... When I'm traveling in Maryland or Virginia, Washington, D.C., if I need to, if I need to see somebody, I got to know where I'm going. So absolutely. So our, our website is MedStarHealth.org, um, and we'd be happy to see you anytime. Although we don't want to see you, but we'd be happy to. Well, I'll come in for a well visit. So, <laughs> there you, you know, go. There you go. We'll take you for a well visit. <laughs> yeah, see, I like the well visits. <laughs> Well, that wraps up our discussion today, and we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, stay tuned for more episodes in this podcast series. And by all means, check out our other podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. We are NJHIMSS, that's NJHIMS on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podbean, TuneIn Plus Alexa. Thank you all very much. And don't forget to visit our website, njhims.org. Thank you all very much. Have a great day.